listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since COVID, what we know to be the norm is rapidly changing. In order to adapt to this, your business must adjust and transform accordingly. For pharmacies, unlocking the profession's potential to improve patient care is where this opportunity lies. Today's product-focused role of the pharmacist calls for the industry to move toward clinical services. The focus will be on prevention over treatment, and care will happen in the home or community. As accessible and trusted healthcare personnel, pharmacists can play a big role. Happier at Home harnesses this opportunity by showing the benefits of expanding your pharmacy into home care services and how this is a recipe for success. Innovation and growth will help community pharmacies to continue to exist and thrive in the future. Hey, I am so excited to be a part of this. This is the Happier at Home PRN podcast, a collaboration with Debbie Marcello and the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Reason why I'm so excited is because I see dominoes starting to fall based on the introduction of home care services as a new revenue source, but more importantly, the care that our community pharmacies are now extending to our communities and people that sometimes can't get out of their home and they don't have anyone else taking care of them. So there is a servant leader's heart that Debbie has. That's why I've really enjoyed working with her. Debbie, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. Ah, thank you so much. And thanks for that introduction. I'm very happy to be here and more importantly, so happy to be um, becoming one of those resources for all of your listeners, for all the uh, pharmacy owners out there and really helping them to embrace and expand into uh, uh, using their their community-based model and expanding into medical home and expanding their cash base uh, sources of revenue with uh, helping their community stay in their homes and age in place. Absolutely. Age in place. And the um, I came from long-term care pharmacy, Debbie, and, and there aren't facilities in certain communities anymore to take care of people that are in need of skilled nursing or something very specific with compounding or infusion or whatever it is. The future pathway to that is community pharmacy. If you want to take the next stage, there are resources, and that's a key word of today's interview, a resource for me personally in my career in pharmacy has been partnering with people that know what's going on at the trench level. I don't. I'm not a pharmacist. I'm not a pharmacy owner. So I trust people who are in those trenches for their communities. Lisa Foss, Dr. Lisa Foss, she was one of our Pharmacy 50 most influential people in the profession of pharmacy. And there's reasons for that. She had community pharmacy stores that she was caring for, and she was seeing the impact that her um, her presence was having on her communities. And then she had to fight as a community pharmacy owner in order to box her way out of the ring of where community pharmacy was going because of the pressures of big box stores and PBMs and uh, collaborative agreements working and not working. And, and it's almost like she created this environment so you could test things. What works for community pharmacy for real? What doesn't? What's fluff? What's, um, you know, pulling the covers back on technology to see what works, what doesn't. 
So when Lisa joined PDS, Pharmacy Development Services, the whole organization kind of went into an acceleration and thinks of Fast and the Furious movie where the cars hit the nitro button and it just like <laughs> the organization forward because she was practicing what she was preaching. She was designing what she was practicing. And she was like, that's it. I cannot bottle this up. I'm giving this to the rest of our community pharmacies out there and who was part of that organization. Thank you so much, Dan, for starting it and where it went. And then had to keep leveling up. There were, if we don't keep moving, if I don't keep evolving as a publisher, Debbie, I'm going to be superseded by some other content development organization. I have to keep in thought, what do my listeners need to be successful providers? What do my listeners need to be successful community pharmacy owners? That is why you are part of this network, Debbie, is because you are empowering pharmacies to do more for their communities and make more money. Dr. Lisa Fast, you are a champion. You are a pirate because you're fighting for uh, the gold and the jewels of good health for our patients. Um, I'm so excited to be in your inner circle for the pharmacy um, Profit Summit Live that's coming up in August. But Lisa, welcome to Happier to Home PRN. Thank you. That is that was quite the uh, introduction there, Todd. Um, I like being called a, a pirate. That uh, fits. That, <laughs> I think that fits me well. So um, yes, and it does feel like it's been a fight. Uh, it's been a fight to not only you know for my own personal businesses and the pharmacies that I've owned, but also a fight for pharmacy owners that. You know, unfortunately, many of us got jaded early on in our careers from some bad seeds. And it became this like profit is a four letter word, like profit was dirty. And pharmacy owners started shying away from profit. And it's like, you can't do that when you own a business, you can't do that. And I've been kind of fighting my way for not only on behalf of myself, but on behalf of all the other pharmacy owners out there that it is okay to make a profit. You know, there are good solid ways that help your patients that help your community and help you. And that's just, that's been my passion now for going on. I don't know, two decades now <laughs> it's getting, I'm getting old these days. And, um, and and it's and it's fun and it's exciting and it's and it really truly is my passion and I'm blessed that I get to get up and work with pharmacy owners and work with people like you that that may not be pharmacists may not be pharmacy owners but you guys care about this industry you care about the owners and um, it's just awesome to be able to collaborate and expand that network of people who are um, I always think about it as like creating an Avengers team you know it's like getting <laughs> getting to network with other people that we all have our different talents we all have our different backgrounds but you know we're here to protect the good of this industry and so it's awesome to get to collaborate with you guys um, you know with Todd and Debbie and uh, the other people that you have on the PPN network. I mean, that really is the Avengers of independent pharmacy. So I like that. Debbie, when you think of what, what has been created with, um, with Diverse FireX and the practice of evolution in community pharmacy, now take what home care has traditionally done that wasn't part of community pharmacy and you're infusing and onto that. And just talk with um, Lisa about that concept of doubling up on that as a community pharmacy care provider. And then of course, home care. 
Well, first of all, I'd like to say that Lisa would look incredible in a pirate's costume. She <laughs> would look very cute and rock that. So <laughs> she is a rock star no matter what. But um, so I was so lucky to start talking with Lisa about my home care company. And I'll never forget the phone call that we had. And um, she got it when I started telling her you know, if we can collaborate and bring uh, community pharmacy owners a home care business model that will help them um, to connect their patients with services to be able to stay in their home, thereby also uh, increasing your pharmacy business, let's do something like that. And she really, she knew exactly what I was talking about. So uh, Lisa has said it before. I've said it before as a pharmacy owner, if you're standing still, you're falling behind. So you really need to make sure that, um, this marriage between, uh, the medical home model, I almost look at it as three different things. So you have the medical home model for the pharmacy, you have happier at home and our home care services that you would provide in the home. And then you have your actual community pharmacy and all the other services and the retail and the different streams of revenue that you could create that way. Um, so I think that what Lisa is doing right now, and I'd like to actually kind of delve back into some of your background, but what Lisa is doing now with helping the pharmacy owners, she's able to um, bring all of those resources together and be that strong, um, the, the strong anchor and resource to disseminate all these resources for uh, the pharmacy owners and for those that are in her university and, and those types of things. So um, it is, I, I think that if you look at the big box stores, they're expanding into home and community-based services. They're trying to uh, capture that before our community pharmacies do. Uh, so you really need to get on the boat and uh, get moving. So. Um, Lisa, as as far as um, I'd like to, as I said, kind of go back and understand what kind of mind you have, what your your brain is like, and uh, kind of connecting that to uh, your uh, risk taking and your being a business person. So, um, I gotta know, as a little girl, what were you like growing up? Were you a tomboy? Because I was a tomboy. Very, very much a tomboy. My mom used to have to barter with me to wear a dress. Like, you know, she would make a, Hey, I'll get you this, or you can do this. And, um, yes, very much tomboy, very much, you know, we grew up with horses and animals and things like that. And, you know, um, obviously back in the day, it was, you know, latchkey kid, you know, you're, we're, we were responsible for ourselves after school, you know, all those kinds of things. And, you know, we knew when we had to be home, 
And if you weren't home, you know, you got your, you got your butt whooped and, you know, you learned your lesson and all those kinds of things. So it was, it was a great time. I think the time that I got to grow up before, you know, social media, before helicopter parenting and all those kinds of things that it made me um, very individual, very self, self-sufficient, sometimes a little too self-sufficient, but made me very <laughs> self-sufficient. You know, I knew how to cook, I knew how to clean, I knew how to, you know, do all those kinds of things. And, um, you know, that certainly formed who I became as an adult. So, yeah, very good. You know, that's, uh, I, I think that I think back of being a child and if I knew what I was looking for, then I would have known that, yep, I am going to be a leader. I'm going to be in the middle of everything. And I think that probably if you think about that and it, for you, it would have been the same. So how did you actually, um, decide to become a pharmacist? Yeah. You know, I did not grow up around pharmacy. Like my parents weren't in pharmacy. I didn't have family in pharmacy. I'm one of those weird anomalies that of somebody who's in pharmacy who has zero connection to pharmacy. And really when I was in high school, I always thought I was going to be a chemical engineer. Like I, that was where like my, my brain was going. And then in my senior year of school, me and my best friend, um, and his name was Justin. And we had to do a project where you had to shadow somebody in a, you know, in a career and like do up a paper and stuff like that. And and um, I didn't, you know, I come from fairly low income family. They're all blue collar workers, retail workers, kinds of things. And, you know, I didn't know anybody with a career. Well, my best friend's mom happened to be dating a pharmacist. And so we're like, ah, oh, we can go like shadow them. And so we went and we shadowed them and we had to learn all about pharmacy and the schooling and, you know, all those kinds of things. And we realized, wait a minute, we can get a doctor in five years and like, be making like 200 grand and like life is good. You know, like it was mind blowing to me as, as a kid who, you know, thought, you know, 10 bucks was a lot of money that what, you know, the salaries that we were seeing at pharmacies back then, and granted this is in California. So they were even more inflated. Um, and the amount of schooling that we could do because they had just like kind of really launched all these accelerated doctorate programs. And I was just like, yeah, sign me up for that. Cause I'd always wanted to be a doctor, but frankly, I need my sleep. And the whole like 24 hour, 48 hour residency schedules, like that is the entire reason I didn't become a doctor, which seems so silly now, but like, I was so scared of not being able to sleep. <laughs> and, and so I was like, that's okay. I was like, oh, let's do chemical engineering. And so it seemed like this perfect mesh of like all the chemistry and stuff that I loved with like healthcare. And, you know, during that time, I grew up having to take care of my grandma. So my grandma, my mom was like one of the youngest of like a ton of kids as they were back in those days. And so my grandma was, was much older. She had diabetes. Um, you know, she pretty much lost her sight, lost a lot of her control. So we always had to go over either before school or after school and like give her her insulin and do all those kinds of things. And so I kind of had like this health carry background in me. And then it was really this senior project that really came together where we had a shadow of pharmacists. And I was like, sign me up for that. So at the very end, I remember the week before the deadline for like early applications to college, I applied to one pharmacy school. And because all the rest of them were chemical engineering uh, schools, and I applied to one pharmacy school, which is University of the Pacific up in Northern California, and um, got it in just by the deadline. And thankfully, I got accepted and it all worked out. But uh, yeah, I was all writing all my eggs were in one basket. So 
Wow. And I I don't believe that you actually sleep now. So that didn't make a difference. <laughs> no, I, I am one of those people like I my my husband says it's my superpower. Like I can be talking to somebody and then literally five seconds later, I can be asleep. Like I can fall asleep at any time. But I'm one of those people I learned very early on that I can't do all nighters. I can't do like I just don't function. And uh, so, yes, I get my sleep. <laughs> That's great. I know. I, I love sleeping. <laughs> it is one of those just favorite hobby. <laughs> it is. I love my bed. It's just one of those things you have to do to rejuvenate yourself. So yes, I agree. Uh, so it, as you, um, as you went through your pharmacy school, the, did they have things, do they talk about business at all? Do they talk about owning your own business or have you, um, explore that while you were going through pharmacy school? You know, I, I, I wish they would have, not that I may have even listened, honestly, they did have a, this dual program of an MBA and PharmD, but that was really geared towards people who were going to go into like pharma executives and things like that. And so I, I didn't take the MBA program. Um, and at UOP back in the day, I'm getting old. There was only three pharmacy schools in California and they all kind of had their role. So UOP was like the retail school. And then UCSF was like the clinical research school. And like USC was like the hospital school, like, and, and that was like just what they were known as. And so not a whole lot of talk of entrepreneurship or business or anything like that was, was discussed. Um, and so, you know, I went through school just expecting to I actually wanted to be a nuclear pharmacist. Like that's what I thought I was going to graduate and go do. And, um, you know, and then when it came out time to graduate, Syncor, which was the, the big nuclear pharmacy, they were broke. You know, this is back in the day when most places were doing signing bonuses for pharmacists and, you know, giving away cars and BMWs and all these kinds of things mm -hmm. because there was a shortage. But yet Syncor, you know, they, they were full. And so I was like, crap, what am I going to go do? You know, so I was like, I'll have to go be that retail pharmacist. And um, and so it was like all along the way, like nothing, you know, is, you know, everything kind of seemed to change kind of at the last minute. But uh, yeah, so I had no I had no schooling in entrepreneurship or anything like that. Um, but just personally, we, me and my brother, both just whatever the DNA is, we're both very entrepreneurial and we'd own businesses and we had to, you know, we had to earn our own money in school. Cause like I said, we came from a lower income family. So if we wanted anything, we had to go earn our own money in order to, to buy it and those kinds of things. And so it, that all of that kind of was the foundation for kind of understanding entrepreneurship. And, um, my brother and I have gone into business together before we even opened, I opened the pharmacy, you know, we've, I've owned a used car lot before, you know, me and my husband have owned tons of businesses from paintball to sports youth organizations and all kinds of things like, and so now I just have a love of business. So I, I love business and I'm one of those weird people that love numbers and like love marketing and those kinds of things. And then, so I get to layer that on top of all of the pharmacy stuff which, you know, then, then that's where my passion really goes is where all of that kind of layers on. So, um, yeah, very, I, I never could have probably dreamed of this path. And, you know, if my school had offered business, I probably wouldn't have took it. Cause I had no idea that, you know, I was going to be going in that direction anyways. Yeah, I completely understand that. Um, you know, just having that entrepreneurial mind and uh, wanting to start businesses, uh, you know, that was always something that I felt like I had in my DNA too. Uh, and there's not really a, like, I, I really never saw myself 
expanding into a national home care company. Um, but here I am. Uh, so seeing the different types of things that we thought we were going to do and what our trajectory seemed like it was going to be, then there are barriers in the road that kind of changed it. And, um, and in a good way. So if you think back, um, if you could think about maybe one challenge that, I, that so many of us have so many different challenges that we've overcome that have brought us to a better place, but is there one challenge that you could think of um, that you thought at the time, darn, this is not good. And it ended up to be a blessing. Uh, and that uh, if you became, if you were someone who felt like you were victimized, um, maybe you wouldn't have taken advantage of it. But because you're someone who perseveres and pushes through, it turned into a blessing, something that you learned from. Can you talk about any kind of challenge like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, the hardest thing that I've ever gone through is my legal dealings with our board of pharmacy in California. So um, I was running my pharmacy, fan-freaking-tastic. It was a wonderful pharmacy. And um, I got into dispensing medications via telehealth. I got in and I was one of the very first pharmacies that partnered with some of the early telehealth companies and filled prescriptions like amoxicillin and erectile dysfunction and um, birth control, you know, those kinds of things. And um, this is back in 08, 09, somewhere around there. Um, and, um, uh, and then at, I, I, I ended up getting in trouble with the board of pharmacy because the California board of pharmacy said, none of those prescriptions are legal. Um, even though, you know, I can get into a whole uh, other conversation about the law of that, you know, it's funny. They, ha they still have the exact same laws on the books as they did back then. Um, you know, but they ended up saying that I illegally dispensed all of those prescriptions via telehealth. They didn't recognize telehealth, even though the California medical board did. And, you know, it was, it was this whole thing. That's the problem when you sometimes are innovative and you talked about <laughs> risk taking head. before, <laughs> you know, you, you know, that whole adage of, you know, you get bloody going through the wall. You know, I was one of those first pharmacies to, to, fill telehealth prescriptions. And um, that ended up being the downfall of my pharmacy. I mean, that's ended up why I, because I settled with the board of pharmacy. Um, you know, we, we, we did this whole thing, did the whole lawyering thing for a couple of years and I ended up settling, thought everything was fine. Um, but I really, really pissed off the president of the board of pharmacy back then. And she took out a personal vengeance against me. And so after we had settled, after everything was fine, um, I heard through the grapevine because I had connections that she didn't know that I had connections with that she was going to come after me and she was going to shut me down like mm. personally. And so that really scared me because my entire pharmacy was our entire family's wealth, if you will, like everything mm. that we had put in, you know, we weren't saving in retirement. We weren't doing all that. Like everything was in this pharmacy. And it really scared me that she might come after me and like, um, make it all dissolve because it could just dissolve away you know it would just like like a salt cube in water you know it would just yeah. dissolve away and um we started to see some of that and so i i quickly decided that i needed to sell my pharmacy while the value was still there before things had happened and so i sold my pharmacy for a couple million dollars sold it to cvs and um and 
retained that value that, you know, we had built in there. And that's when I went to work full time for PDS. So I was a member of PDS before and Dan had helped me through that process of selling the store. And he's like, Hey, come work for me. Um, because mm-hmm. I did everything that I created in my pharmacy. I'd always shared with other pharmacy owners. I didn't, I, I have, I don't have a scarcity mindset. I really come from an abundance mindset. Um, whereas I believe that there's more available than, you know, any one of us could ever possibly handle. And so, um, I was always creating programs and sharing them with, you know, the membership and things like that. And so that's when I sold my pharmacies. This is back in 2012. And Mm -hmm. so, um, it seems all nine fine now, and I can talk about it now, but going through that, that was the darkest period of my life, like very, very dark. And I won't even go into how dark, but, um, I I lost my identity. I lost my entire confidence because I was always one of those people that was like the smartest person in the room. I always did things right. I never got in trouble, never did anything wrong, you know, like, and so my entire identity was shaken during this whole process. And I carried around this huge shame, like this just shame that, um, you know, unless you've done something, in your life that you're very shameful of, it's very hard to describe, but it was just this entire weight that was around me. And I thought I would never get out from it. Um, you know, the way that other professionals looked at me and, you know, cause I got in trouble with our board of pharmacy, like, good God, like how terrible of a pharmacist, you know, am I? And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny looking back. It's like, People who stole and took their own oxy were treated better than, you know, somebody like me who all I did was fill telehealth prescription, which everybody does nowadays, you know? Yeah, you were ahead of your time. Yeah. yeah. And so I carried around this huge shame. Like, I mean, not just a chip on my shoulder, like I had chunks missing from both shoulders. Uh, And um, that, that was, you know, and it's, it's, and I'm still, I'm not even embarrassed by it anymore. It's like what you said, like I've now, I've now healed. Like I really had some PTSD post that, like I used to not be able to talk about it without like having full breakdown and meltdowns. Um, But what that did though, was make me super, super good at vetting things. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. now I look at everything, whether it's compounding or DME or telehealth or those things like, I can now dig into companies because I've had so much experience with lawyers. It's funny. I, um, I actually got, ended up getting sued by PDS, uh, last year or the year before. Um, I won by the way, just, I won't go into it much more than that. And, um, when, um, I was talking with my lawyers, they're like, are you sure you don't have like a legal background? And I'm like, (laughs) I just have a lot of experience. Like, you know what, be um, burned once and then they'll understand I've been there. I've been there. And so, um, I'm really good at like vetting things out now. Like, so when you talk about your risk level, I'm still very risk taking, like the way that I evaluate risk is like, what is the worst that can happen? What is the absolute worst? And can I live with that? Like, do I have a plan for that? And if I have a plan for that, then anything else better is just better. Like, like as long as I can have a plan for the worst. And so I'm still taking risks, but man, like in terms of vetting companies and talking, like I talk with a lot of industry folk, I got into like PBM compliance and billing compliance and I got down into the nitty gritty. And so all of that hurt and shamefulness and things that I went through with the legality of my boards, I've actually been able to help hundreds, if not thousands of pharmacy owners from that experience, not only with them dealing with their boards, like I have good friends, I have members that's like, I just got a letter from my board. What do I do? Like, ah, 
here's the 10 things that you need to go do. If you get a letter from your board, like I got this down, you know, like I've been able to help them um, through those, through those periods in their life when there isn't a lot of people, because people don't talk about it. You know, when you're professionally, you know, slapped, you don't generally go out and talk about it and say, Hey, if you get professionally slapped, come call me. And so I've been able to really help a lot of people if that happens to them. And I've been able to help a lot of people stay out of trouble. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's companies that I won't work with. There's products that I won't promote. And it's because they don't pass the vetting process because I've gotten really good at vetting um, after being in that, that kind of hot water. And so I've been able to turn all of those really bad, harmful, shameful things that I didn't think I would ever get over into really helping a ton of pharmacy owners stay clean, stay in compliance. And I always like to say, like, understand the rules, you know, learn whatever you want to do, learn the rules, and then just stay inside those and then go forth and multiply, you know, like, and that's really important that you understand those rules. And so, so that, to me, that's the biggest thing that I've ever had to overcome. And it it was a years long process. I know that was like 10 minutes, but it was like a years long process um, to be able to get where I am. But once I started seeing how my hurt was helping others, that actually helped heal me more. So when I kept quiet and I kept it to myself, I continued to hurt more and I continued to not make progress. But when I finally was brave enough to start talking about it and, and then able to help others, man, the, the healing just went on, you know, light speed. And, um, you know, now we've, now now we're here today where I'm able to talk about it. I don't get emotional. I don't cry. I don't, you know, Mm. uh, go bury my head in the sand for, you know, a week afterwards, which, you know, all the things that I used to happen whenever things would come up. So, well, thank you for sharing that with us, because I, I think that just, as you said, there are people who go through things and don't talk about them and, uh, feel that they're, uh, walking it alone. So to know that so many of us have been through some pretty major challenges, uh, you know, thinking back in my own life and uh, being a vice president of a very large uh, company in New York here, um, I I had a similar, similar problem. I mean, it was not compliance and it wasn't having to do with pharmacy, but in my position, uh, once I wanted to leave that organization, boy, they loved me when I was there, but <laughs> talk about problems when when I wanted to leave and um, personal vendettas afterwards, because I think what it comes down to is that those people in power, this woman that knew you in power, um, could not control you. They couldn't control us. And um, I'll never be in that position where someone's controlling me anymore. Um, and so I, I think just making sure that you rose above and uh, turned it into something great. Congratulations. And I know for so many uh, pharmacy owners out there that you really, really helped them and continue to. And I know that uh, just, you're just one of those, um, you're one of those beacons in the storm for people. So that's, I think, I know that you went through a lot, but it, it gave us you. So cool. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the way I tried it. And I, and I had that perspective now, you know, we're talking, we're post 10 years, you know, later, and it's, it's easy to talk like that now, but you know, in the middle of it, you, you feel like, 
your world is ending and, um, Mm -hmm. and it's hard. That's why it's hard to talk about it. It's hard to be vulnerable. You know, we, you know, obviously nowadays, maybe with mental health and some of the acceptance of vulnerability, but I still think in the professional space, especially when it comes to like legal and compliance, you know, you're, you're immediately thought of as, as just an outcast, you know, you might as well be a leper, you know, back in the day of, you know, don't, don't touch her, don't talk to her, um, you know, because you made this one mistake. And, um, and um, luckily I've grown past that. Like people can't hold that against me because I, I've proudly display it, you know, whereas before somebody could hurt me if they even just brought it up, I would, I would, you know, cower and and go and go hide. And now I've just learned that the more that you share, and that's why I I share my successes and I share my losses and, you know, I own pharmacies and I've tried to share the journeys of buying those pharmacies and the things that we've done right. And the things that we've done wrong is because I think we can all learn from each other's shared experiences. And, you know, in the, I think in the world of social media, we always like to put our best days on social media. Oh yeah. And you know, <laughs> yeah. we don't put, we don't put the hard days on there. And yeah. I, I tried as much as possible to, you know, to put the hard days on there as well. Um, along with the good days, because, um, that that's just, it's just realer. And it just, it allows you to actually help people, which is what we're what we're here about is yeah, to actually people can people. associate, associate with you then. And actually, you know, jumping back a little bit, uh, to, uh, the time period when you decided to, uh, did you buy pharmacies? How did you start your pharmacy or pharmacies? Yeah. So I, my very first pharmacy, I started from scratch. So I started that all on my own. And that was after another disappointment. I had left my job at Kmart, um, which was a fantastic company to work for in the pharmacy department. And I went to work for my friend's pharmacy because he was going to be selling the pharmacy. So I was going to buy it. So I went to start working for it while we went through this whole SBA process. And um, the SBA process was not quick. Um, it no, took it's months and months and it months does. and months. I had <laughs> no idea how long it was going to take. And he was really eager to sell. And I finally got a call from my SBA officer that said, we've approved your loan. And I'm like, hey, I call my friend up and I say, we finally got approved. And he goes, oh, I sold the Rite Aid last night. Oh, Literally. Man. And so it was like one of those things that's like, talk about a day late. Yeah. <laughs> dollar short. And day late, dollar short kind of thing. And so that was actually what prompted me to start my own pharmacy. I was like, well, I already have this vision. I already started putting a lot of this into place at the pharmacy, you know, where I was working with him at. And I guess I'll just do my own. Like that was like, and then that to your point, it was like, what's the worst that can happen? If I start this and it completely fails, I get to go back to my $200,000 a year job, you know, and um, that's okay. I can live with that. Like that was kind of like the, all right, let's go start this on our own. So we went back through the SBA process, redid a, you know, business plan for a startup as opposed to a, a, a buying existing. And that's how I started my very first pharmacy to begin with. And so when I sold that pharmacy in 2012, because of all of the legal stuff, um, I did not get back into pharmacy ownership for several years. Like I, I, there was, there was no going opening that wound. Um, but I actually ended up getting back into pharmacy ownership. Um, you know, you mentioned Dan Todd. So Dan was the, uh, f- original founder of PDS. He's a mentor of mine and a good friend. And, um, I went into pharmacy ownership with him on, on several pharmacies and, you know, kind of did that thing. I got out of those pharmacies, uh, 
a year ago or so, like, you know, some, some time ago. Um, and I have a new business partner now that we own pharmacies in. So we've owned, um, I currently own one pharmacy in Oklahoma and one pharmacy in Louisiana. And, um, uh, we've owned those for almost a year now, actually coming up right upon a year. And, um, you know, so I've been working on those, growing those and doing all, doing all the things with those. And, um, so I've been kind of in and out, um, over the years, uh, you know, had more locations, gotten out of some locations and, and those kinds of things. But, um, <laughs> I, I like owning pharmacies, uh, well, because one, I, I, their investments, their, their way to make money. And I believe in diversification, not just a pharmacy revenue, but my own personal, you know, revenue. Um, we, we own multiple businesses and things like that. Um, but it also keeps me like, like you said, Todd, you like dealing with people in the trenches. Like it feels like it keeps me in the trenches. Like exactly. I get those faxes with those really crappy contracts, just like everybody else. Yep. <laughs> and yeah. I get, you know, I get all of those kinds of things and I get employees who, you know, calling and quit, you know, two days after saying yes to start working and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And so, um, it, uh, it keeps, it keeps me real as you will. Whereas, you know, there's a lot of other people that I think come into our industry, especially from outside of pharmacy. And they're like, Oh, I can help you run, you know, a better pharmacy and more profit and this and that, but they've never been in pharmacy. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's one thing to be like, Hey, I know how to run business, but pharmacy, we are just a unique little bunch. You know, we are just, uh, it really is. Yeah. And actually uh, it gives you credibility for what you're, yeah. you're practicing, and, what you um, preach. Right. Yep. And uh, I love listening to people and it's like, Oh, I can double your revenue with this tactic. And I think, yeah, but you forgot to finish the sentence. You'll also demolish their cash flow and they'll go out of business in three months. Like, you know, it's like, it's such a complex business thing that we're in, in pharmacy, because our financials are not like any other business out there. They're not like a doctor's office. They're not like a dentist office. You know, our cash flow is completely different. Um, our, obviously our regulations are completely different. Um, it's just a unique and unique bit. So it, it really does. And, and not to say that those people have ill intentions. They just, they think that those skills will transfer over to pharmacy and they just don't always. And actually I could speak from experience with that. So as a franchisor, I started the entire organization of happier at home. Um, I ran my company for since 2007. Um, so if you don't have that basis, if you don't have the experience of working in it day in, day out, knowing every aspect of that business, how are you going to teach someone else how to do that? You can't. And, uh, to, and to be able to, to be able to understand, um, if there is a new offering, uh, how are we going to incorporate that? And I'm going to show you first, so I'll do it first and you'll see how well it works. So, yep. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we do at our pharmacies now. So like right now at our pharmacy in Oklahoma, we're just starting an allergy testing program. Um, I have no idea if it's going to work well. I, I use my pharmacy as guinea pigs first, yeah. kind of see if it works. You know, not everything is a fit for every pharmacy. So yeah. if there's a program out there that maybe I can't guinea pig in my own pharmacy, you know, I have some close friends or close members that it's like, hey, there's this opportunity. It might be a good fit. You know, let's 
think about it. And so um, I can't try everything out in my pharmacies just because we don't, we don't do everything, but I always try to do it on my own. If not, then, you know, we at least test it out in, a, in, you know, some other pharmacies um, because not everything works, you know, just because you have a great idea and you have really smart people doesn't necessarily right. mean it's going to work and it's going to integrate, um, you know, into pharmacy and do those kinds of things. It's like, it's kind of like collaborative practice agreements and those kinds of things. It's like, it's a great idea. And then, you find that, you know, hundreds of pharmacies learn about it and then they all run up into the same barrier. And it's like, crap, how do we get rid of that barrier? And so I like starting things really small. I like growing nice and slow. I like organic. I like, you know, a lot of people be like, oh, you know, you should have a thousand members, you know, by the end of this year. And I'm like, actually, I'm really happy with our 240. Like I'm not actively, yeah, we're not actively promoting solid foundation. Our, yep. our membership. Like I like to grow nice and easy and then figure stuff out because I would rather keep patients, you know, in my pharmacy, I'd rather keep patients happy than churn patients and constantly having to market and bring new ones in. And the same thing with diversify. I'd rather keep pharmacy owners happy rather than turn them out, get them angry at me and, you know, constantly bringing in new people. So I like to test things. I like to take it slow, verify it. Then once we know it's a good thing, then you, you know, pedal to the metal and, and you tell everybody about it. Right. Right. So, um, now I, I mentioned that you and I met, uh, at one point before we had that conversation through PDS, it was a long time ago. Um, what was your role in PDS at that point? Well, I don't remember at that point. I did just about everything in that oh, company. Okay. <laughs> um, I was at one point throughout the years, I was uh, head of marketing and head of business development, which is probably where we met through business development because I became so good at vetting companies. You know, all of the new companies would kind of come to me and I would vet them and look at the legality. Like, gosh, I remember when CBD started becoming a thing, you know, like, that whole legality. And I would have to talk to the companies and ask them all the questions to make sure they were compliant with all of the, the farm bill rules and the things like that. So it was probably in capacity of like business development somewhere along mm -hmm. the way, but I literally held just about so. every position, but CEO in that, in that company at some point before I left. Um, and I left in 2020 now, wow, gosh, almost three years, um, uh, ago, but I left in 2020. So, yeah. And, uh, so I, I was with PDS for a few years, actually went to their conferences as a vendor and uh, met some pretty incredible people and actually are still am still connected and hearing from people and pharmacy owners that uh, met me at PDS. But now we turn our sights to um, things that are an improvement upon what you may have found in different ways at P in PDS, uh, you starting Diversify RX. So I'd like to hear about how you started it, um, maybe some differences in what, uh, what it's like in comparison to PDS and, you know, what you learned uh, through that experience that you made sure was going to be different with Diversify yeah. RX. So when I left PDS, I didn't have a plan. Like I didn't know where I was going to go. It had just become too incongruent with my beliefs and, and what I wanted and what I was trying to do for the industry that I could no longer do it when inside that framework. So I decided to exit that, that framework. And I think that happens when anytime you have a healthcare company or, or even any specific niche and you get outsider people coming in, I think there just starts to create that friction. And, um, for, for me, I was always a, 
pharmacy owner champion first. And so whenever that just became too much is, is when I decided to step away. And so luckily after I left PDS, um, I found a job with Wellgistics as their chief revenue officer and Wellgistics still around today. They're an awesome company. Um, they had just gone through some internal changes and they needed some kind of new leadership in, in some of their marketing and sales roles. And so it, was, it ended up being like perfect timing. And so I stepped into that role, um, created, you know, a new sales process and new kind of stuff from them. And um, at the same time is actually kind of when I started Diversifier X, I started posting blogs and I started educating um, because I was on, I was on the wholesaler side now, which was drugs, but there was still this whole other business side of things. And so um, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do with it, but I just was kind of, kind of doing something. And um, I ended up being at Logistics for six months and left February of 2021. And I was kind of left with like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Like, you know, and I, I really realized that I'm not a very good employee. Like I can be, I can only be so good until I'm not, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm really good until I'm not. And that is usually come when I think I have a better way of doing something, which I often, my brain thinks it has a better way of doing something. Like you asked me earlier, like, how does your brain work? Like, I can look at problems and it's like this weird spider web, like firing in my brain. And then like, I just see the way through it. Like I just, I can problem solve probably better than anybody. I always like to say, tell me your problem. And then I can like come up with a solution. And so um, I love creating solutions to problems. Like that's, that's what my brain is the best, best in the world at. And um, so I was applying for a bunch of jobs and I started to think like, maybe it's time to leave pharmacy. Like maybe it's time to like, you know, get out of pharmacy. I've been here for 20 years. Like maybe it's time. So I started applying for like, you know, marketing positions and sales positions and things like that at these other companies. Cause I live in Dallas now and there's no shortage of a plethora of companies and things mm -hmm. like that. And the only thing that was kind of bothering me, like, you know, that little tickle and in that independent gland, like, you know, in your heart was, wow, I'm not going to work with pharmacy owners anymore. Like that's sad. Like that sucks. <laughs> And so I that's when I really started working on Diversify. I was like, well, I'll just keep sharing information. Like I'll just keep putting it out there and I'll just, I'll keep, cause I have all this knowledge in my head, you know, and I can't just, I wish I could just plug it in and just download it. Um, but I was like, I'll just keep sharing information while I look for these other jobs. And um, I had applied for a job with McKesson and nothing wrong with McKesson, but uh, they, uh, uh, you know, I didn't hear back for like a month or two months, like, you know, time had gone by. And, um, and then I finally, like, after I got to the point where I applied to the test and I'm like, I looked at my husband and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I applying for all these jobs? Like we always joke about how I'm a terrible employee. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I love helping pharmacy owners. Like I'll figure it out. Like I love figuring stuff out. So, and to your point, like we talked about risk earlier, what's the worst that can happen? And I was like, it goes nowhere. And I continue to apply for these jobs that, you know, I, I'm, could, could go do. And so that's when I really decided like, all right, I'm stopped applying for jobs and like diversify is going to be like our future. And, um, that was when, I mean, two months later, we held our first pharmacy profit summit. Um, yeah. that one was virtual because that was in the middle of the pandemic. That was, uh, in uh, May of 2021. And, uh, then we had our first in-person summit in uh july of that year i think it was and because we had that little lull you know before like delta came like you know we didn't know what was coming but you know and so we were able to have that first in-person summit in 2021 um here in dallas and it was like after that people were like you know what can we do how can we join like i didn't have anything to sell we were just you know breaking together just 
amazing, awesome people. Um, I remember that 2021 show was the first time Adam Robinson had spoke and boy, that boy just can't stop being on fire, you know, since then. And, you know, we just brought in like these really great people and really it was out of demand was where pharmacy badass university came from because it was in that July show when they're like, we want to join something where we can learn from you. And I'm like, Oh, I don't have anything. Um, let me figure this out. And, uh, that's when we started working on the membership and then we ended up launching the membership March of 2022. And so that was kind of like this weird, crazy path. Didn't plan it. Didn't know where I was going. Um, and so, you know, to your point, of like, how is it different? And I think it's a really good question because obviously I came from PDS and a lot of people look at Diversify as PDS 2.0. And frankly, that really pisses me off. (laughs) (laughs) Just putting it out there. Um, Because to me, it's nothing like it, Um, especially the way it was in the end. Now, if you, you know, if you compare me to PDS, you know, 1999, I probably am somewhere around a 2.0 version of that, but especially where it was at the end when you know, prices were skyrocket. Everything was nickel and dime. Everything was timed. It's like, oh, time's up, you know, like you're on your therapist's couch and, you know, things like that. Um, and there was just a lot of things that obviously bothered me, which is why I left left the organization. And of course, now PDS is not in business anymore. They went they went out of business uh, November of last year. And, um, and so there's a lot of things that I purposely did different. One is my prices are super low. I actually encourage people to use all my free stuff first. Like, please go use my free stuff, go forth and multiply on that. And if you never pay me a dollar, I am a okay with that because and I'm you're talking to... about that your resources on your website. Yeah. Yep. Our okay. resources on our website, YouTube podcasts, blogs, you know, eBooks, you name it. There's a ton of free stuff out there um, because my mission is to save independent pharmacy. And I can't save independent pharmacy talking with every single pharmacy owner. There's just not enough Lisa to go around. So we post a lot of stuff up there and we put a lot of free stuff up there and people use it. And that's great. Like that's all, that's all that we need. That's all that, you know, sometimes that's all they need is to be able to go do that. And so, um, you know, please go use our free stuff before you ever pay me a dollar. So one is I encourage people to use our free stuff. Two, our prices um, for our membership are really low. They start at $297. Our highest membership, which is our all-inclusive, unlimited coaching, everything in the kitchen sink, um, is $797 a month, which is far less than PDS was, far less than a lot of other consultants are. Um, And so I think a big differentiator is, is price. And I don't believe in contracts. I don't believe in holding people into something. If they don't like it, I don't want them to stay. Like I'd rather part as Mm -hmm. friends. And if it's not a good fit now, it might be a good fit in the future. But I don't, I I always say, I don't want people's bad juju money. Like if they (laughs) hate paying me every month, I don't want that energy. Like I don't, you know, like, please. Like, so I don't have contracts. People can come and go as they dang well, please. Um, thankfully we have amazing members. Most of our members stay once they join, they, you know, they've stayed, we've been, we've been around for a year now and we still have, um, over 90% of our original people, our beta people that, that signed up. And, um, and so I, I think there's some very, very big differences there just in how we approach, um, the pharmacy owner. We try to meet the pharmacy owner where they're at. One of the things that always annoyed me about PDS was, they'd have a call and it was live 
and it was like not recorded. And it was like at this time, you know, and it's like, so you had to, I remember, cause I remember being a member and having to like rearrange my day so I could join this call because I knew it'd be really helpful, but you know, I knew I wouldn't have access to it later if I didn't join live. And so in our world, we record everything. Everything's available on the membership site. It's like a big Google drive of everything pharmacy business related. Like we put Beautiful. it all in there. Um, and, and we try to, we try to meet the pharmacy owners where they're at and try to make it as convenient for them as opposed to convenient for us. And so, um, Anyway, so I think those are some like fundamental differences. And I know on the outside looking in, it might all look the same because PDS was trying to help pharmacy owners increase their profitability, enjoy their businesses, enjoy their life better. And ultimately that's our goal too, is we want them to increase their profitability, enjoy their life and, you know, make their lives better. Um, but how we went are going about doing it, I think are fundamentally different, um, which is one reason why, you know, we've been really successful without I don't have a sales team. You know, I don't pay people mm -hmm. commissions. We don't hard sell anybody. I don't even generally promote the membership. Um, usually it's people like, Hey, I heard you had this thing and I want to join. I was like, Oh yeah. Like I haven't posted the link in a while. Like, you know, here you go here, you know, come, come sign up. And, um, cause I, I love growing and I love new members, but I want to make sure, frankly, I want to make sure that I had something good because that, that thing in me, that um that chip on the shoulder you know that I still carry from all those other things um I want to make sure that I give people the best value in pharmacy like I never mm -hmm. want somebody to say I paid Lisa $300 and she sucked and she never did anything to remedy it like I don't want that ever to come out of anybody's mouth so I'd rather grow nice and slow make sure our pharmacy owners are absolutely love being members, um, you know, before we just get out in a whole bunch of new ones. I'm not one that's married to vanity metrics. I don't need to prove to anybody, you know, how fast we grow or things like that. Yeah. I'm not trying to get VC capital or, you know, something like that where yeah. you're like, Hey, look at our growth chart. Um, I just want really happy pharmacy owners that make themselves a lot of money and have better lives. And, you know, to me, like that's, that's what our goal is. So, um, anyways, I think those are some of the fundamental differences um, uh, between us and PDS. And, uh, I learned Very a lot good. of what to do and what not to do being a part of that process. And so let, hopefully I'm able to bring some of that knowledge forward. I love getting your almost daily kick in the butt emails. Oh, are you doing this? And do you know if this happens, then you like, are you, uh, focusing on this aspect? You know, it's, I, I'm not a pharmacy owner, but I love looking at those because it really, I think there's a lot of transferable, uh, suggestions you have for anyone in business. Uh, but also, um, I, it helps me to learn about what the pain points are for pharmacy owners and how, we at Happier at Home could help them uh, to either alleviate or resolve or help to cushion the blow of some of those problems too. So I really um, appreciate that. So your uh, diverse, uh, excuse me, the membership, is that separate from the university itself or is the university kind of incorporated in one of the membership? No, the levels. membership is it. So Pharmacy Badass University is. is our membership. And so, okay, got it. Um, got it. yeah, that's what we call our, our membership because I'm trying to create pharmacy badasses. I'm trying to create pharmacy owners that can persevere because 
who knows what's going to come in two years? There's going to be something like there's, I always say there's never a dull day in pharmacy. There's always some new challenge. Um, right now in 2023, we're dealing with impending compliance changes in terms of like DEA, supply chain, boards of pharmacies, hazardous drugs, like all of those things are coming up in November. Like November is going to be a chaotic storm for pharmacy owners. Then as soon as you're done in November, January kind of coming around with the whole DIR fee apocalypse that we're calling it, which is the changes mm -hmm. to DIR fees, which in the long run is a good thing. However, the short term for the next four to six months of 2024 is going to be very painful from a cash flow perspective. And so, you know, like there's always things changing in our industry. And you know what? Unfortunately, the days of I'm just want to be a good pharmacist, I want to dispense prescriptions, I want to open my pharmacy at nine and close it at six and go home, like those days are gone. Like, and if you want those days again, like maybe you can have them in like tiny little like cash only places or compounding only pharmacies. But for the majority of us out there that are retail pharmacies, like, like those are in the past. Like we can't live on that. We have to do pharmacy different and doing pharmacy different. That's why the, the, the name of my company, Diversifier X, that's where it came from is, is you have to be diversified. You no longer can just dispense prescriptions and expect to make it anymore. You have to, I, I always talk about a profit lasagna. And so, um, you know, if you think about a lasagna, you, you make it and it looks beautiful at the end, but you have to do it one layer at a time. If you try to like throw it all in there, it becomes like a goulash, not a lasagna. And so I want happier at home is, to be the best part, the sauce. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you need lots of garlic and salt. Um, yes. <laughs> and so the, when you build your pharmacy and you build your pharmacy business, it needs to be done like a lasagna. And so you're dispensing you know, is always gonna be that foundation. Like that's what we do. That's what we're here for, we're dispensing. And that does not make a lasagna. Like what else can you layer on top of it? And I'm a huge fan of cash-based revenue, um, which is, you know, why I immediately, you know, many years ago, like was attracted to your guys' business model is pharmacies already have all these patients. What else do they need? Great. I don't have to go market for these patients. I get to just sell them more stuff. Fantastic. Like sign me up. Um, as somebody who's owned lots of other businesses, the biggest hurdle you usually have is attracting your customer and getting your customer's attention. As a pharmacy, what most pharmacy owners don't know is they're sitting on a gold mine. They have mm -hmm. thousands of patients that have other problems <laughs> and we yeah. can solve them. And so you don't have to pay marketing dollars to go be in front of those people. You're already in front of those people. Now it's the time to just go sell them that other thing. And I know Happier at Home, most of your stuff is geared towards like the elderly and the people who are like home ridden. But I know you and I talked about this a year ago, but about 10 months ago, my sister-in-law had a stroke. And of course, we didn't know what her outcome is going to be. And um, long story short, she's amazing. But in those first couple weeks and months from home, she needed help because she couldn't drive. She couldn't do certain things. And the first thing I called you was, is there a happier at home franchise where she lives? Like, yep. <laughs> I was just like, you know, and so it's not just the elderly, but there's other things, sometimes acute, sometimes chronic. Somebody breaks a leg, they can't drive and they need, you know, they need services brought to them at their home. You know, there's lots of things, even children now, you know, there's, there's obviously right. children that, that are bound in home and things like that. So I think there's just a huge opportunity for pharmacies to do these add-on and layer your lasagna um, of services that the foundation of your patients 
are your core customer. There, there are other problems that those patients have. Now, whether that's supplements, it's at home, home care, it's point of care testing, it's genetic testing, it's whatever the case may be, but you're layering it on top of the things that's your foundation of your patients. And so um, to me, that's how I see pharmacy. That's how you build a profitable pharmacy. Um, and you optimize every layer along the way. You make it as good mm -hmm. as possible. You know, yep. you, you adjust the seasonings, you add a little more salt, you know, you optimize each layer before you go on to that next layer. And so that's my philosophy of, of owning and building profitable pharmacies. And that's why I love, you know, networking with people like you, because you add a beautiful layer, you know, into that lasagna that takes care of so many things that ultimately takes care of that, you know, makes that patient better, whether it's that particular patient or it's their life better because now you're helping with their mother-in-law that they were previously having to spend hours with, you know, doing things and stuff like that, you know? And so you're, you're helping better the outcomes for them. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, thank Thinking about your connections with uh, physicians' offices, and if you're doing any kind of long-term care, you have those connections with the rehabs and skilled nursing homes. So those uh, organizations, people, professionals, they appreciate being able to refer to their pharmacy for their home care too. So you're really in a position if if pharmacy owners would just if they are, haven't already changed their mindset, but change that mindset to understand that you could do so much. You are in a position, even more so than a physician in a physician's office, to touch so many lives. You know, you you can be the hub of mm -hmm. uh, helping your community to stay in their homes, uh, stay healthier, whether that's through, you know, your home care uh, the medication management that you could do with the home care, care advocacy that you can do with Happier at Home, all of those things really um, allow you to um, be that most important one-stop shop for your for your community and and also for those professionals as well. So um, I, I guess I, I wonder what you think the one right now, whether it's having to do with business or whatever you think, but what is the one biggest thing that you uh, hear from other pharmacy owners is their biggest challenge? Is there any one big thing that you could say? Well, I think right now the biggest, you know, red herring is cash flow. Um, mm -hmm. Because we have this DIR fee apocalypse coming, you can't wait to address that in January um, because you got to start building up additional cash reserves right now. So for me, I'm all about talking with pharmacy owners on ways to increase their cash now. And it's not cash to spend, it's cash to save so that you survive through 2024. Because different pharmacies are going to be hit differently. It obviously depends on your Medicare mix, depends on your PSAO and your contracts and things like that. But right now, cash flow is what's hate weighing heavily for most pharmacy owners. Um, that, and that's what puts most pharmacies out of business. It's not a lack of profit. Um, although many pharmacies can do better in the profit area, it's the lack of cash flow. Um, you know, you can live for a long time without food and water. You can't live a long time without oxygen. And cash is the oxygen to the business. Because if you can't pay your wholesaler bill and you can't pay your payroll, you miss one of those you're, you're basically done. And so um, I think cash flow is the number one thing right now that most pharmacy owners are, are worried about. We actually held, um, I've been talking cash flow every chance I get. We held a free cash flow challenge um, last month. 
We had over 200 pharmacies join that um, and stick with us for five days to kind of go through that of like how to improve your cash flow. Um, so there's a lot of things that pharmacy owners can be doing. I think it's adding revenue streams. It's, you know, understanding some financial stuff, you know, it's like getting down in the dirty and the numbers, you know, like you gotta, you gotta understand some of the financial stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that for right now, and that probably will be the main focus until we hit May or June of next year. So we're, we're down to like 12 months, like cash flows gonna probably be the major thing. Um, after that, if somebody is sitting really good in cash flow wise, I think it's the compliance things happening in November. Um, the drug supply chain act that is freaking crazy. It's nuts. Not even the experts really know what's going down with on it right now. Like a lot of that stuff's going to be figured out at the last minute. Um, you've got enforcement of hazardous drugs. You've got enforcement of some DEA rules. You know, there's just a lot of things happening in November um, from a compliance regulatory standpoint that is going to keep some pharmacy owners awake at night. If I was a pharmacy owner, I'd be afraid not to be a member of your organization. <laughs> 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 That's what I'm thinking. Um, I don't know how they do it. Just saying no. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Seriously, seriously. Well, I have to mention uh, that I'm very excited to be part of your um, Pharmacy Profit Summit coming up yeah. in August. So um, I think Todd wanted to say something about that as well. I'm yes. so proud that I was there at the first physical one and celebrated being part of something that I saw that was not only necessary, but it was really meaningful. And Lisa, you've always been meaningful. And I I think it goes back to the way that you thought when you wanted to be an engineer. Engineer is all based on designing something that can be proven in order to sustain something else and as a support. So you've built yourself literally from an engineering's mind to engineer something that pharmacy can feel assured about and then you can rinse and repeat and keep growing and keep adding and keep putting something next on. And I think that your methodical growth of your membership shows that the strength of the product and of the of the services that you're vetting for your your members, it makes sense. And and you don't keep all the marbles to yourself either. You are extremely like, hey, what, what there are other organizations that are now sprouting and building their own businesses based on the pharmacy profit summit live and and the centrifuge this thing that you've built and and there's some interesting things coming in this one in august of august 4th and 5th in in dallas we get to be a part of it we're excited about our vendor initiatives to really get vendors communicating with each other better to be better support organizations for the survival of and if if Pharma, if community pharmacies thrive and, and survive, then Debbie's business blossoms, as well as, uh, you know, Hugo's business and Liberty Software and RX Value. And we all take advantage of the rise of the next gen community pharmacy owner and not the one that we left in the 90s, which was wonderful at the time. But we all know on this conference um, and all on this podcast today, and even our listeners know Things have to evolve and things have to change. And the markets are screaming for community pharmacy and senior care hope, um, help. Um, CNN Health just did a massive article and it said the cost of senior care is rising while caregivers are drowning without help. They are literally, yeah. nursing homes are drowning. They can't find um, nurses. They can't find nursing assistants. They can't find people. So 
this is not a service that is, uh, maybe it's a cool service to add on to your community pharmacy. Your community is probably searching for these mm -hmm. services right now, which mm -hmm. I think is a, is yep. a line. in it for the fight for the fight. Exactly. Yep. So yeah, I'm excited definitely. about the Pro Pharmacy Profit Summit Live too. So if you're listening right now and you've never been to a Pharmacy Profit Summit Live, you own a pharmacy, you will not regret going to this and soaking in uh, the innovators of, of community pharmacy and, and networking together. Yeah, yeah um, we we tried really hard to make our summit, which is actually why we called it a summit and not a pharmacy conference. To me, pharmacy conference, I just immediately think like lectures and boring. Um, <laughs> and so we needed to come up with something different. And so that's why we called it a summit is because it's a gathering of, you know, it's basically like an extra large mastermind. And, you know, I love to have fun. I love to have high energy. And we bring in amazing speakers like I Every time I go back through and look at some of our old speakers, I I can't believe some of the speakers we've all had on our stage. And then upcoming this one in August, I mean, we've got Tom Wilwright, who isn't known in pharmacy per se, but he is like the go-to tax guru guy for small business owners. Tom has personally saved me probably since I first met him and learned from him, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars of taxes I have not paid because I learned like the things that were eligible to me. And so um, pharmacy owners, one of the best ways to improve your profitability, improve your cash flow is to pay less in taxes. And so Tom's session is going to um, help with that. We've got Mike Payton from the Entrepreneur's or, um, EOS system, the Entrepreneur's um, Operating System, um, which is all the rocket fuel and the um, all of those books in that kind of ecosystem of like, how to create a system. Most pharmacy owners are drowning from all the fires in their pharmacies and they're not able to get crap done because they're just trying to keep the lights on and tread water. And so one of the things that I think most pharmacy owners need is a system. And so Mike Payton's coming. Um, he's going to do an amazing workshop on creating that um, entrepreneur's operating system. Um, and I think pharmacy owners are going to leave there with like, Oh, like, wow. Like I now know like steps forward of like how to create this. Um, some of our other featured speakers, we got Sean Knight, which a lot of people don't know him, but he is a medical clinic specialist. Semaglutide is like the hottest thing on the planet. A lot of pharmacies are trying to understand how they can get on it, how they can get on it legally. Um, what are the ways that they can provide this to their patients? Um, and so we're bringing that in and he's bringing in his entire ecosystem. So the, the doctors, the the clinics the le the legality the pharmacies everything in there which that is i think a huge opportunity for pharmacies because again you already have those patients now it's about layering on something else that they want and of course this is cash-based opportunity which solves that problem of trying to get away from the pbms and then um, one of our um, other featured speakers is kyle mccormick who has been shaking up the industry um you know mark cuban always gets the credit for like cost plus but frankly independent pharmacy owners have been doing it for years long before Mark Cuban ever came along. I know one of my good friends in my hometown did a cash only pharmacy. Kyle has blueberry pharmacy. So many pharmacy owners want to understand like how to get into the cash business, but they just don't know how. And yeah. I know I'm one of those weird ones where I love figuring out problems. Most pharmacy owners don't. They just like tell me the steps and I'll go do them. So Kyle's going to be telling the steps so people can go do it in terms of creating that cash-based prescription revenue. 
And then lastly, the really cool thing that we're doing different this year, um, we're always there to support our exhibitors. We're doing some special things for our exhibitors, but the really special thing that we're doing is we're having two stages. So we have a stage that is geared towards that pharmacy owner, pharmacy manager. And then we have a second stage that is geared towards that technician, that staff, admin, marketing. And so we've partnered up with NPTA, Mike Johnston from NPTA, who is a technician savant. He's actually a pharmacy technician who used to own a pharmacy. So that's a beautiful magic of he understands all the pharmacy ownership things and he understands all the pharmacy tech things. So we are creating and curating special content just for technicians and staff. Um, so we'll have two stages. And I think that's really important because a lot of times what I do here um, after people leave the summit is like, oh, I've got all this stuff and now I got to go teach it out to my staff because I didn't bring my staff. I didn't know it was going to be so good and I didn't bring them, you know, and like there's that there's that kind of lag and gap there. And so, you know, bring your staff. We're going to be teaching them the things that they need to know, like in terms of compliance, supply chain act. Okay. You as a pharmacy owner need to know certain things, but guess what? Your technicians need to learn other things. They need to learn what are other steps? How do I check in an order? How do, what do I do if something is not right? How do I quarantine a product? You know, they need to learn those steps that maybe is not the same thing that the pharmacy owner needs to learn. And so we're going to be really focusing on developing that team um, because pharmacy owners cannot be successful if they don't have a successful team behind them. And so um, it's definitely going to be a, a, you know, same high energy, same, you know, outcomes in terms of that same support. One of the cool things that we do at our show that I don't know any anybody else in the industry that does, but we provide support to all attendees. So obviously our members get support. Um, but if you're just an attendee, we have a couple of group coaching calls that happen after the summit. Everybody gets a one-on-one -on -one call with one of our, with one of our coaches, um, to specifically talk about their pharmacy. Um, I don't know anybody else that provides that kind of service after a show, um, because I'm a big believer in learning. And to me, learning is not knowledge. Learning is action. And you can have all the knowledge in your brain. If you don't take action, you may as well not know that knowledge. And so to me, when you learn something new, how you show you learn something new is you change your behavior and you take action. And so we're really big on doing support after the summit as well, rather than just cramming a bunch of information at pharmacy owners and saying, all right, good luck, you know, go forth and uh, figure that out on your own. Um, and so you're really vested yeah. in their success. That's why yeah. you're very vested um, in their success. So I'm looking are. forward to it. Um, I'm going to be there with Happier at Home as one of the vendors. I'm really looking forward to that. And I did some great networking last year. And whenever I could get away from my booth, I was listening to your presenters. And I plan on doing that again this year, um, especially given the incredible information they're going to provide that I could use in my own business as well. So I look forward to that. And I have a very serious question before we um, end. Um, so you have something behind you and I need to know if it's a femur. Oh, yes, it is a femur. Is that bone. a femur? <laughs> it is a cow femur bone. That was um, when we rushed. So I'm a member of Phi Delta Chi, which is a pharmacy fraternity. And uh, I don't know if all uh, branches of Phi Delta Chi did it, but um, ours did that whenever you're rushing, you have to carry around this femur bone with you and it has your rush class and all this information <laughs> on it. And yes, yeah, so it is a cow femur bone. I, I have to say, see my information, my anatomy from way back still is transferable, even with you bovine. You did amazing. Yes. 
but that's pretty cool. And if anyone wants to see it, we do have where this is, yes, an audible uh, podcast, but we post these videos on our YouTube channel also with Happier at Home. So you could listen to it. You could watch it, uh, see any of our presenters. And um, I just I want to thank you for being with us today. There's so much to talk about and so much to learn from you. Uh, Todd, I, I wanted to see if you wanted to wrap it up, see if there's anything you had with the last word as well. I just want to encourage, like I said, pharmacy owners, if you haven't experienced um, the Pharmacy Profit Summit Live, if you can, it's a get back to school kind of time. It's right before I think most of the, the kids throughout the nation go back to school. So it's, it's the last um, ability to prepare for uh, the coming, what's happening in November, obviously, uh, DIRFE apocalypse and just preparing and shoring up our, our foundation and being together. I think there's going to be, I know there's going to be a lot of owners there who have experienced the Profit Summit uh, live before, and it's that networking. And I, I met you, Debbie, at an event that we were celebrating community pharmacy, and it's why you're part of this network. And we're, we're building this, this you know, camaraderie with these people who truly, I come to work every day knowing that I want to get the word out for pharmacists and pharmacy ownership and specialty and disease state. And, and I believe in what you're doing, Lisa, I believe in you, uh, Debbie, it's proof. You're already proving the ROI on the, the business model, um, happier at home. I like being a small part of it. I'm going to see everybody there. So, uh, get ready to have a um, an amazing event. It's going to be a party. It's going to be an educational party, really, is what it yes. is. <laughs> yeah. Party, main word. <laughs> yeah, no boring lectures. <laughs> we we do workshops. I mean, you'll be working, um, but yes, you will be fun. We, we infuse lots of fun. Awesome. I thank you both. Um, Debbie, this is another great episode of Happier at Home PRN. Thank you so much for putting this together. Agreed. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. We'll see thank you soon. You. Thank you.